0: Everybody say the prophet. Now, you got to understand this. I'm prepared for this. Up until this week, i got a lot of folks on many different sides of the religious doctrinal belief system that I'm friends with. Many of them watch us watch on live stream or watch the replay. Many pastors that are friends of mine that watch the replay. But many of them wholeheartedly do not believe in the office of the prophet or the office of the apostle. So they love my sermon on the evangelists and pastors and teachers, but they ain't going to like this one today. Because they believe, along with a the, with the huge percentage of the body of Christ, that the office of the prophet no longer exists in the body of Christ. Now, One of the major foundations for the argument that they come to you, that the prophets no longer exist, but yet for some reason the evangelist pastor and teacher do, is that they automatically lump the office of the prophet into someone who is gifted with foresight knowledge to predict the future. So therefore, because bad things happen and the prophets didn't see them coming, To tell us about it, there must not be prophets. Now let me just tell you, for the record, many of the bad things that's happened to us over the history of America, God did speak to prophets about it, but the people didn't listen. But, I want you to know something. Another reason that they say that is they say, Why do we need prophets? Because now we have the Word of God, and everything that is spoken about the future of the body of Christ has been fulfilled in the apostle john the revelator on the isle of patmos when he made sure that he let us know along with all the other authors of all the future events that were going to happen that we need to be concerned about so therefore we already know about the mark of the beast and the antichrist we already know about the great falling away we already know about all these other things that are prophetically in scripture that's why they're called prophecy so therefore they say There is no need, and the prophet is obsolete. But I want to show you something. Uh, I believe wholeheartedly that the Scripture tells us that the prophet is still alive in the body of Christ today. Are you with me? Say amen. Well, you you can't preach on a New Testament prophet without first looking at the word prophet. The Hebrew word for the word prophet is the word nabi, And has a root meaning, to bubble forth as from a fountain. Another definition means to utter. To utter. As as just, you know, that word utter, you know, it means to come forth. You know, just like we see in in Acts chapter 2 in the King James Version, it says, and and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them what? Mm -hmm. Utterance. So, So we understand that that means to come forth. And that word prophet, the word nabi, is to bubble up like a fountain. This Hebrew word is actually the first and most used in all of Scripture for prophet. The first time we see it is in Numbers chapter 12. I'm going to go through a lot of word here, so get ready. Numbers chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. and says this. I believe we have it on the screen. It says, Then he said, Hear now my words, if there is a prophet among you. I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face. Even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? A rebuke against the people saying. You have respect for people who hear And see things in visions and dreams and will come and tell you this. But here is a man who I have talked with face to face. Audibly in his ear he has heard my voice. On the mountains and many other places. In a burning bush. And yet you do not respect him. And you do not, and you speak against him. you got to be careful when you begin to speak against God's man or God's woman especially those that you know have been before God face to face. For those that have been in his presence and are trying to speak into your life, be careful to not not come into the groove like so many others that have disavowed something that God made a point to list. We see in the book of Ephesians. How many knows that's in in the New Testament? How in the world would you feel comfortable speaking against, with at least not studying it for yourself, something that God made a point to make known in the New Testament, but yet you want to say it is no longer in existence? Be careful, because Moses talked with God behind a veil, We talk with God with an intimate relationship. He doesn't just come on us and come off of us the way they did the Old Testament prophets. When we, as as believers, are born again, the Holy Spirit comes in us. When we are baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost comes on us. Are you with me, 9 a.m. service? We have a better covenant. Hebrews says we have a better covenant based on better promises. Think about this. If the Old Testament had men of God and women of God, and I'll show you that, women of God as well, that had a relationship with God so that they could hear the voice of God and speak prophetically into kings and queens on behalf of God, how is it a better covenant that we lost that did you hear what i just said how is it better i know we i know it's better because we have the word don't get me wrong i know that's why it's better because we have the written word they didn't have the written word but can i tell you something there are times that i just need to hear from god There are times that I need wisdom. There are times that I need God to speak into my life, whether it's through the written word, whether it's through a sermon, or whether it is through the office of the prophet speaking into my life. The next thing in your notes is this. Simply put, a prophet is one who speaks for God. He speaks for God. He's not God. He's not equal with God god doesn't make mistakes prophets can make mistakes but just because somebody made a mistake doesn't mean that god can't use them am i preaching all right so let's just let's just sort of park just for a second here for just a few more seconds before i move on to what i said because i think some of y'all miss what i said we have a better covenant based on better promises But yet we have probably the majority of the New Testament church, especially in America, believes that it got better by us losing the gift of the prophet, losing the gift of the apostolic, and no longer hearing from heaven, rhema word, do you understand there's a difference between the word word, one is the word logos, which is the written word and then there is the rhema word which is the spoken live right now word of god i nothing can replace in the believer's life the logos word but god still through the gifts of the spirit speaks rhema word into our life you take that away from me do you realize how difficult it begins for me To read about Moses, to read about David, to read about Joshua, to read about, come on, fill in the blank, the heroes of the Bible, of the Old Testament. To read about the relationship that they had on a limited level with God. And then you want to take the gift of prophecy away from me and you want to tell me I got it better than Samson, I got it better than David? Are y'all hearing me? Then you begin to realize why the body of Christ is in such confusion. People like, here's what people say. Well, if you believe in the gift of the prophet, if you believe you're a prophet, then go out there and stop the rain the way Elijah did. If you can't stop the rain the way Elijah did, then you are no prophet. Do you realize if everybody that was a prophet had the gift to stop the rain and start the rain, it would be a constant stopping and starting all the time? Because for every prophet that needed to, not to rain, there's another prophet that's got a piece of land that needs it to rain. A prophet speaks for God. He's not God, but he speaks for God. Watch it. Jeremiah 1.9 says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched his mouth and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Isaiah 51, 16. I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may lay the foundation, plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. How did he say to to Zion, you are my people? He said it through the prophet when he put his words in his mouth. See, we see Jeremiah, Isaiah, many others were prophets and were anointed to speak what God spoke. Prophets in the Old Testament were immediate organs of God for the communication of his mind and his will to men. God communicates his heart, his mind, and his will to men through men through women y'all quiet on me deuteronomy eighteen eighteen says this i will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brethren and i will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that i commanded him and it shall be that wh- whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name i will require it of him in other words, he says, "I got something to say to my people. I'm going to say it to my prophet, and my prophet is going to say it to my people." This is the Old Testament. Remember, we got something better. Yeah. So, if that's the case, if if a prophet and a prophetic utterance is God putting His word and His will in our mouths, in our minds. Then the next thing on your notes is this. The entire Word of God is a prophetic work. Think about it. From Genesis to Revelation, this is a prophetic book. Not just prophecies of future events. Don't get caught up in thinking the word prophecy means foretelling the future. It doesn't mean foretelling the future. It means to utter, to bubble forth, When God puts his will in his heart, in the heart, in the mouth, and in the hand of man. How many of us the Bible tells us that every word was written by man but inspired by God? The way we say it in theology terms to make it understand, I learned this way back in the early 90s when I was starting my Bible studies. It's God-breathed, man-written. Somebody say God-breathed. man written written. so man wrote the letters did they not so where did they get the knowledge where did they get the wisdom now i know some of it is recording of historical events like luke recording the the travelings of the church and the history of the church but even that was anointed because how many knows he didn't write everything that happened god let made sure that he knew the things that happened that we needed to know In fact, John says this at the end of John. These are just a few of the things that Jesus did during his three and a half years of ministry. For if we were to write all that he did in three and a half years, the entire world would not be able to handle and hold the books that would need to be written. So that tells me that God specifically breathed to the authors The specific events to record. Then there is the prophetic revelations of grace and mercy and all of these things. And then there is the prophetic futuristic events that are in here. Then there is this. Think about this. You got Moses who wrote the first book. And wrote about the Garden of Eden. He wasn't there, y'all. Are y'all hearing me? So where did he get that? We have to believe that he heard that from God. And he wrote that. Is this good preaching? The word of God is a prophetic work because it was written by men who received its content from God. Were these perfect men that wrote this? No. How many of us, we can go down line upon line, just about every one of them, and we can read, we can actually read the mistakes they made isn't it awesome that in god's prophetic word breathing to the men writing about their own life knowing that one whether they knew it or not god knew they would be superheroes in the bible that knowing that one day they would be in the hall of faith that we would thousands and millions and millions of people would preach their stories god said oh no 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 make sure you tell them when you messed up too how I many we learn a lot more from the characters in the Bible of how they messed up and was restored than when we do about how they did the good things right. Yeah. Contrary to most people's idea of a prophet, foretelling the future, I'm gonna shock you, was not a necessary part of even being an Old Testament prophet. Next thing he notes is this in the Old Testament, futuristic declarations of the prophets were the exception. And not the rule not to say that it happened futuristic declarations of the prophets in the old testament were the exception and not the rule in general the greatest role of a prophet in the old testament and i'll also show you quickly in the new testament was you go like this the correction of the church of the nation of israel that was the primary role of the prophet was the correction of the church or we should say in the old testament the nation of israel you remember what happened when samuel showed up looking for david the city the bible said began to hide what have this is what they said what have we done to cause the prophet to come to town and they all hid because they thought he only comes to town to speak judgment But he was going to the house of Jesse to find David to anoint him as king. But they didn't know that. Because it was pretty common to understand that the prophets were not popular people. I mean, there was one particular king said, is there not a prophet anywhere? One guy spoke up and said, yeah, there's one Elijah, but uh, you ain't going to like him. He said, no, 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 I don't like him because every time he comes to talk to me, he tells me things I don't like. Find me one that tells me things that I like. Also, in the Old Testament, not only was the greatest role of the prophet the correction of the church, it was also for the proclamation of truth connected to the character of God and to set the foundation for the government of his church. Think about the role of the prophet in the Old Testament. Think about just a couple examples here. Think about Samuel when he stood before Saul, and Saul had been to battle. And he had gave Saul a word. The prophet Samuel said, go into battle and kill everyone. Because this is a nation that is going to corrupt our nation. Do not leave anyone alive. And do not even bring their animals back. We don't want anything tainted. He goes into battle and then Saul decides on his own. Well, it really don't make sense for us to kill all the women. We could take them as our wives. And it really certainly doesn't make sense for us to kill all the sheep and the cattle because we, need, we could use them for our sacrifices in the temple to God and we could keep our own and not even have to kill our own and it wouldn't cost us a thing. So he, he tried to help God out. He tried to go against the prophetic word of God. So he stands before Saul and he says, Saul, have you done what God said to do in this battle? He said, I absolutely have. He said, are you sure that you have? He says, of course I have. I have killed all the soldiers. The army is decimated. He said, well, you, I'm going to ask you one more time. Are you sure you did what I told you to do? What God told me to tell you to do? Of course I have done. He goes, then what is that? King James is how I memorized it. What is that bleeding in my ears? And he says, I hear the sound of sheep. In a place where sheep should not be. And then he says one of the most powerful things that's been quoted for for generations. And people don't even know the context in which it's said. He looks at Saul and Samuel says, Saul, to obey is better than to sacrifice. And to hearken unto God is better than the fat of rams. You think you did God a favor by bringing him all all these rams? To hearken unto God is better than bringing this. Was God standing in the room? Of course he was invisibly. But guess who was standing before him? The prophet of God. It's good preaching. What about this one? He stands before, uh, uh, the prophet stands before David, the prophet Nathan, he says, I want to tell you a story about a man who had everything you could ever imagine. He had every lamb that any person could ever have. He had, he had the fields, he had the houses, he had everything. The only thing he didn't have was one little lamb that belonged to another person. He was not happy with all that he had. So he, instead of being grateful for what he had, he went to the man that only had one lamb, and he took that lamb from him. And then he had the person of the lamb so that they wouldn't come back and get him, had him killed. What do you think about that, king? David stands up, slams his scepter down. Who is this man? Because whoever this man is, according to the law, deserves to die today. And then another famous thing in scripture that you heard many times in your life, Nathan looks at David and says, behold, you are the man. And it was because of the words of the prophet. The Bible said David knew because it was the story of Bathsheba. Are you hearing me? Taking in an adulterous affair, taking another man's wife. He knew that God had spoke to him. He already knew what he did was wrong, but it took the prophet to come in and shake him to his core. And the Bible said he stood up from his throne, ripped his clothes, fell on his face, poured ashes on his hand, And he began to sing a song in that moment that is a, one of the most quoted psalms. It is at that moment that he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Was written right there in his spirit, man, when the prophet called him out. Oh, but that's died off. we got a better covenant. We don't need that. How is it better when we ought to say that no one can speak for God into our lives anymore? Come on. The next thing you notice is this. The office of the prophet was continued in the New Testament. It was continued in the New Testament. Of course, Jesus is all five of the gifts because the gifts are himself manifested in five different offices. Luke 13, 32 says, and he said unto them, go tell that fox. Mm. Behold, who wasn't talking about to go tell somebody good looking? He was, te- he was talking about Herod. Go tell, that fo- go, t- go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform curses. Today and tomorrow and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be B, that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. He spoke of himself as a prophet. Luke 24 18 says, then the ones whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in, in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in those days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. John four nineteen. the woman said to jesus sir i perceive that you are a prophet john 4 for jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country so we know he was a teacher they called him rabbi we know he was a pastor because he was the shepherd we know he was evangelist because he cared about the souls being born again that's why he came and here we know that he is a prophet But this is something interesting. And this is why I think part of the reason why people don't believe in a New Testament prophet. It's very interesting to note that little, very little, is depicted about the role of the New Testament prophet in the New Testament. This can also be said of other offices in the body of Christ. It is therefore no stretch to assume that the role of the prophet is essentially unchanged from its function and duty of the Old Testament. Remember, he said, "I didn't come to destroy the law; I came to fulfill the law." He didn't do away with the lamb; he became the lamb. Come on, are y'all, hear me? He didn't do away with the priest; he became our priest. Are you with me, church? Well, he did away with the prophet; and he became the prophet. Exactly. But did he do away with the teacher and become the teacher? Yes. Did he do away with the evangelist and become the evangelist? Yes. Every one of the things of the fivefold ministry gifts he became. Then he turns right around and says, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me, and now I give to you. Come on, y'all hear me. So, So, come on, that's a good place to clap. That's a good place to clap. So he says, everything I took on, I didn't take it on because I wasn't that before. How many knows he didn't need to be a prophet? Jesus didn't need the gift of prophet. He's he's always existed. He is the Word made flesh. He didn't need the gift of an evangelist. He didn't need to be called teacher. He didn't need to be called apostle. He took on those gifts in the form of human form. And he told his disciples, everything you see me doing, you will also do and greater will you do if I go to my father. How does that, what does that mean? When he went to his father, he sent the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he sent the power of the Holy Spirit, he gave us access, watch this, to everything he walked and operated in while he was here on earth. Somebody ought to shout right now into God. If we carry over from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the role of the prophet was to speak for God, number one. Number two, to exhort and direct the body of Christ. And number three, it is also clear that the office is considered to be high in its order of, appearance, of, of, of importance. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church. In the what? In the what? Do you understand how confusing it is to believe that he appointed these things for about 50 years and then he, took his, he changed his mind? Yeah. He's appointed these in the, say it loud, church. church. Are you in church right now? Yeah. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. Are you hearing me, church? Ephesians 4.11, which is our theme, and he gave some to be apostles prophet, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So we see in the New Testament, in Paul is writing to the Corinthians, Paul is writing to the Ephesians, and he is reminding them that Jesus himself instituted the office of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, among other things, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administration, all the nine gifts of the Spirit, and the five gifts of the fivefold ministry gift. He put all of them in the church, So that the church can be what he intended for the church to be. Next thing you notice is this. When a prophet speaks in an open congregation, his words are to be judged. How many knows that a prophet's words are to be judged? That doesn't mean if he makes a mistake he can never prophesy again but he needs to be very careful that he hears the voice of god because i'm going to tell you something there's been a lot of times that i've told somebody i believe this is god and and i would have a little check in my spirit but and sometimes i wouldn't even really believe uh, or, or maybe not i've told somebody this is the voice of god let me back up not that but there's been times that i thought i heard god say okay I think the Lord is telling me this, and I realized later that it wasn't the Lord telling me this. It was either me or it was the enemy. Because let me tell you something, the enemy is really good at disguising his voice to sound like God. 1 Corinthians four twenty nine says, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. In other words, here's the bottom line. A prophet speaks, and when he speaks of futuristic events, they need to happen. Can I get an amen? I got to go quickly. The next thing we notes is this. There is a difference, and this is one you've got to really get. There is a difference between who speaks out in the, under the unction of the gift of prophecy and one who is a prophet. Woo, am I the only one that's burning up in this place? Are y'all hot? Good Lord, is that the Holy Ghost burning me up or is the, is the heat killing me? I'm dying over here, y'all. Some of y'all be like, well, I'm always freezing, I'm finally feeling good. Good God. I thought to come out of this jacket in a minute. Somebody say there is a difference between someone who prophesies and someone in the office of prophet. The prophet, the prophet, is an office, just like the pastor is an office. The individual in the office will almost certainly operate in the gift of prophecy, of course, as well as other revelation gifts, usually words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning of spirits. How many knows a prophet is going to operate in those gifts? But should not be limited to all of them operating at one time. And watch this. For example, the gift of miracles. How many knows sometimes somebody can be in the office of a prophet and prophesy exhort, uh, rebuke, and love, and courage, but not necessarily have the gift of healing and miracles. Okay? It's an utterance gift. The prophecy is an utterance gift. Are you hearing me? But sometimes they do have the gift of miracles. Elijah is a perfect example. How many of Elijah is the most famous prophet in Scripture? He certainly had the gift of miracles, didn't he? And so did Elisha. And what did Elisha get? A double portion of the anointing of Elijah. Here's something that you might be shocked by. Prophets, and this is not in your notes, but you all want to write this down. Prophets, the office of prophets, are not necessarily preachers. Someone can operate in the office of prophet and not do what I'm doing right now. Are you with me, church? It has been assumed by the body of Christ that anyone who preaches is a prophet. And that's what many people that don't believe in the gift of prophecy, say, oh yeah, I still believe in the prophet, but the prophet now is the preacher. Because he declares the word of God, he brings the good news, so therefore if you're called to preach, you're called to be a prophet. You may be prophetically speaking, but there is a mantle of the prophet that is different than preaching. Prophets are also, here's something else you might want to write down. Prophets are also, watch this, in control of their gifts and are able to function decently and in order. Oh, I think I need to say that one again. Prophets are in control of their gifts and are able to function decently and in order. In fact, this principle also applies to all gifts and their use. The Holy Spirit does not come on you and turn you into a mind-numb robot zombie and make you do anything. It blows my mind what people will say amen when I say "Do you, how many of those Jesus doesn't make you get saved? How many of those, if He made you get saved, He'd make everybody get saved? Because that's His heart that all come to repentance. So He didn't make you get saved, right? How many of those, He didn't make you get healed. Do you believe in healing? How many has ever been healed? Huh? How many of those, He didn't make you against your will be healed, right? It blows my mind that people believe He will not make you saved, He will not make you healed, but He's going to make you speak in tongues. He's going to make you prophesy. He's going to make you fall out and go into a coma and have to wake up later and let everybody else tell you if you had a good time or not. Well, I if I believe that Holy Ghost came on me, and i tell you what, I couldn't control myself. The Lord said to say this, and I couldn't shut my mouth. It just came out. Hmm. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 32. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Do you know what that means? That means when God gives you a word, he also gives you the ability to speak that in the appropriate time, in the appropriate manner, and not to interrupt what he's doing somewhere else. And sometimes he's simply giving you a word to keep your mouth shut and to just simply pray to come in agreement with someone else who's going to speak it. Next thing you notice is this. The office of the prophet and the gift of prophecy are not exclusive to men. Women prophesy. Ho! Oh, I know I'm going to get some letters now. Acts 21, notice this is, in the New, this is in the New Testament, y'all. Somebody shout New Testament. Acts 21, 8 through 10 says, on the next day. We, who were Paul's companions, departed and came to Caesarea and entered into the house of Philip the evangelist. See that office of the evangelist? Who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who, what? Prophesied. So you see the evangelist noted, and then you notice that this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. That's New Testament. Even in the Old Testament. And women hardly had any rights in the Old Testament. We understand that. But watch this in Judges 4.4. Now Deborah, a prophetess. The wife of Lapidoth was judging Israel at that time. Not only was Deborah an actual prophet, but she was a judge of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Is this good preaching? See, the New Testament prophet is also used to tell individuals. I understand this of future events and to admonish those persons or individuals in regards to those events. Listen to Acts twenty-one ten. I gotta go fast. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt. Bound with his own hands and feet. It said, Thus said the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews of Israel bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when he had heard these things, both we and those that were in that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Why am I reading this? Because here we have this great man who is probably, quote unquote, if there is such a thing, the greatest example of a Christian the world has ever seen. Certainly the greatest revelation that any Christian has ever received. Paul. And you have a man named Agabus who is a prophet who illustrates and grabs the belt and does an illustrated sermon, if you will, but prophesies into the life of Paul and tries to warn Paul that he's going to be arrested and probably killed. And they had so much faith in this New Testament prophet that the people in the room began to beg Paul, do not go, because we know when he speaks like this, he hears from God. You with me, church? Now, the bottom line is simply this. It's a lot of information to get out in just a few minutes. The Old Testament prophet was very important to the nation of Israel. The New Testament prophet is also very important and still operating in the church today. Do you know what's wrong with our nation? Let me tell you, it isn't Democrats and Republicans. Here's what's wrong with our nation. We no longer seek the counsel of the prophets. I know we've always been corrupt. This nation is all, at, at its core has had corrupt people in power with agendas other than God's kingdom. But I can tell you something. There's, there's something to be said about the generations of presidents who welcomed Billy Graham into the office. I remember living in my little single-wide trailer in Warrior, Alabama when, when George Bush Sr. launched Desert Storm. You know, in our lifetime, we in my generation, we had never seen anything like that. And they began to light it up. They put them planes in there. I was preaching that night at another church. We, my wife and I had just been married, I believe it what was that, 91, something like that. It was right before the Berlin Wall came down and all that. It's a very chaotic time. But I'll never forget the night that the news said it's been leaked that the president is about to send these bombers in. They showed the camera of the White House. And in walked Billy Graham. And they said, in the White House right now, everyone has been put out of the room except Billy Graham and President Bush. And he is asking Billy Graham to speak into his life and to pray over him and anything that God says to tell him he needs to know tonight before he sends our men and women into harm's way. Here we are celebrating Veterans Day. Many of you were a part of that. I'm not saying that made him perfect. I'm not saying that made him a great president. I'm not saying anybody because they had Billy Graham made him a great president. But there was a day when we really did care what does the Word of God say? Yeah, you know, and I'm not tr- tr- trying to p- pump Republicans. That's what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just giving you another example. I remember when I was in high school, and I wasn't even really living for God. Ronald Reagan was the president. I remember when all the things that were going on in the Cold War, how many old enough to remember all the stuff that was going on between us and Russia in the 80s? Billy Graham went to the White House, and I'll never forget this. It hit me because I was raised in church, but I wasn't even in church. And Ronald Reagan said these words. I've asked Billy Graham to show me where we are in prophecy with this moment. Is there something that I need to do in this place in the prophecy of the Bible to make sure that we're going to be okay? Because in his mind, he thought this is the end of the world. One of us make a mistake. It's mutual annihilation. Y'all don't understand. We were that close. Y'all remember those days? It was real, y'all. We were, we were we were going about our lives, but we had in the back of our heads at any moment the whole world could be destroyed by nuclear warfare. And he literally called him in and said, before I go meet with uh, whatever his name was at that time uh, in Russia, I want to know where we're at, Gorbachev, in the prophetic cycle well i don't know about our president now i don't know about the former president i don't know about all the other i know they all welcome people in and they all have minister friends and all of this but here's the truth you can look around from the president to the house to the senate to our local government and you can see that most of it now is just a pretend to put on an image i would to god and i'm gonna tell you it it may take some bad things to happen For the men and the women of God in our government. to call, They might call them prophets. Where's the prophet? How many of those in the Old Testament, before they would go into battle, they would say, Okay, we're all ready. But before we go, call in the prophet. And they would bring the prophet before the king. And they would say, The army is ready. What is the Lord saying? Many of them that listened to the prophet, there was very few. But the ones that did listen to the prophet is the prophet said, if you go to battle today, all your people going to be killed. They didn't stick their chest out and say, oh, but we're the best warriors in the world. The prophet said that. The ones that listened to God said, all right, boys, go back home. We're not going into battle. Because if God said we're going to be killed, we're going to be killed. But many of them would rebel against what God's man would say. They'd go into battle, and it happened exactly the way God's man said Prophets are not elite. Just because you're a prophet, you're no better than anybody else. Just because you prophesy. How many of those, the gift of prophecy can come on you, and you can give a word to somebody that don't mean you're an office of a prophet. But even in the New Testament, Jesus said something about a prophet. He said, let me tell you how to honor a prophet. You give a drink of water to a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. In other words, he says, you take care of my men and women of God. You you honor them and you take care of them, and if you give them something that they need, then the, the blessing that was going to come and is going to come on them because of the mantle that they walk in will flow down into your own life. That's how important that fivefold gift is to you. So here's, I'm not trying to tell everybody that walks out of here now just because you had a a, old nudge or a word from God or had a strange dream, now you're a prophet. Because let me tell you something about being a prophet. It is one of the loneliest lives you could ever live. Nobody wants to be friends with a prophet. Nobody wants to go every weekend to the ball game with a true prophet. First of all, a true prophet probably ain't going to go to the ball games that much. Because you're just having a fun time, and you're just trying to let your hair down, and he'll be calling you out. <laughs> so nobody, at some point, they stop inviting the prophet. And you study prophets throughout Scripture, and you'll find, you know where prophets usually end up? In a cave. By themselves. Crying out to God. Am I the only one left? So when you know one's in your life, honor them. Bless them and pray for them. Because I believe they're a gift from Jesus to us.